So today um, we're continuing our series in Proverbs and we're looking at the topic of choosing friends wisely. So I've got loads of things to share with you today, so I'm going to just get on with it. <laughs> um, so most of us have like casual friends, acquaintances, you know, people at work um, that we know, and they might pass in and out of our lives. But if we're fortunate, we will develop a few close friends who are really important to us as the years go by. And apart from our families, um, if we're close to our families, these people are the VIPs in our, in our lives. You know, we socialize with them, we do activities together, we enjoy fellowship with them, and our lives become intertwined with each other. So the Bible speaks quite a lot about friendship, and in Proverbs there's loads of um, uh, verses about that, which I'm going to share some of them with you this morning. So it talks about friends who we enjoy relationship with over the course of the years, and maybe even a lifetime. So Proverbs 18, 20, 24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So this is a picture of me um, and three of my best friends. We went to university together, so we've known each other for 25 years. We first met in 1993, so this year it's our silver anniversary and we're going to have a party. Um, I tried to find a picture of the th th four of us at university, but A, they were too embarrassing, and B, we were usually in a bigger crowd, so I couldn't find four of us all together. Um, so we have been through loads together, me and my friends, Marianne, Carrie and Ali, and we've been through joyful times, painful times, and I really don't take those friendships for granted, and God has given me other beautiful friendships, they're not my three only friends, but I am just wanted to use that as an example to show you today. And Proverbs 27, 9 says, A sweet friendship refreshes the soul. And if we read in the Gospels, we read the Bible, we see Jesus modeling friends, friendship with his own disciples. He obviously had the 12 disciples. He had the three that he was closer to. We, talk, we hear about his interactions with other friends, with Mary, Martha, Lazarus. We've talked before about how Jesus wept when Lazarus died. You know, it's good to build up little teams of people with whom we can walk through life. You know, people who are going to help us try again when we mess things up. People who are going to encourage us. They're going to cheer us on. They're going to lighten our load when it's too heavy to carry on our own. They're going to comfort us. They're going to celebrate with us and give us strength against the evil forces and trials and temptations that we face. But there is a caution in the book of Proverbs. It offers words of warning about how we walk through life with our friends. Proverbs 13 verse 20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Yes, we all ought to walk closely with friends, but according to the writer of Proverbs, we need to be careful about who we choose as our friends. Wise friends make us wise, foolish friends bring us harm. One version of the Bible says, associate with fools and get in trouble. Another version says, associate with fools and be destroyed. You know, as our friends, as our close friends, we are more connected than we might think. You know, we, you might think to yourself, I'm so independent, I'm an individual, you know, I'm not really that influenced by the people around me, but we are influenced by one another. What passes between close friends are values, convictions, morals, habits, and goals. And um, you can see from this wee picture, 
When you spend so much time with your best friend, you practically become the same person, those two ladies. Um, you know, things pass back and forth between us, whether we recognize it or not. We're affected by the wisdom of the people around us or the foolishness of the people around us. And so take a minute now, think about the people that you hang out with a lot. How do they influence you? So this probably sounds pretty obvious, but we can increase our chances in growing in a positive way by being intentional about whom we choose to be friends with. So here's some examples for you. If you want to develop good judgment, you should choose friends who are renowned for making wise decisions. If you want to strengthen your convictions, choose people with a reputation for standing up for what they believe in. If you wish you were a kinder person, Spend time with people who treat others with gentleness and grace. If you're desiring to walk more closely with God, well then put yourself in the influence of people who make spiritual disciplines a priority. If you want to be a more generous person, hang out with people who are good at giving away what God has given them. You know, choosing the right friends is like putting together your own personal development team. It's going to improve your efforts of moving forward on the right path. And as we've said, foolish friends can ruin us. And um, this probably sounds quite dramatic, but their faulty moral compass can steer us off course. Their distortions of the truth can undermine our understanding of God and his ways. If we look at 1 Corinthians 15.33, it says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You know, all of us could probably tell a story today of someone we know whose life is not going very well right now, and they could probably trace it back to a choice they made to forge a friendship with someone who influenced them in a negative way. And you might be sitting there thinking to yourself, oh, that won't happen to me. You know, I've known God for a long time. I'm sure of myself. I'm stable. I can spend time with any person, any time, and it's not going to affect me. But it can happen to any one of us, you know, I, like anyone else, am very influenced by the people whom I am close with. So a question to ask ourselves today is, what kind of person do I want to become? You need to decide that. You know, you need to choose to walk with people whose thoughts, words, and actions are the ones that we would love to have for ourselves. You know, I'm not talking about personality or lifestyle or spiritual giftedness or talents or career. You know, I'm not saying, you know, if you're a brilliant runner, you just have to hang out with runners. Or if you're a mechanic, you have to hang out with mechanics, all those kind of things. Our friends can be very different in those areas. But what I'm talking about are deeper things like integrity, like character so if we're committed to following Jesus and growing in those in the things we've been talking about in during this series in Proverbs if we're thinking about wisdom initiative goodness discipline truth if we want to grow in those things we need to surround ourselves with people who share those qualities so as our friendships grow so will our character and our pursuit of godliness and the book of Proverbs offers practical advice about who to put together as our team. Who's on our team? Who's in our lane? You know, and it also tells us the kind of people who should not be in our team. 
And I'm not saying, by the way, that you just dismiss those people, that they're not important to you, that they're not important to God. They do matter, and we should use our influence to affect everyone around us positively. We need to be kind and loving and patient and point people towards Jesus. But maybe there's some people who it's a bit dangerous to walk pretty closely with. Um, I love the book Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk. Um, It talks about boundaries. Not everyone has access to your core. That's it, yeah. Jesus, we thought about him. He was closest to God. Then he had the three, Peter, James, and John. Then the other disciples and other circles going outwards. You know, think about yourself. Who's got access to the very heart of you? Who's right there in with you in the, in the center? So I want to have a quick look at Proverbs and the qualities we don't want, and then we're going to look at the qualities we do want. And I wanted to give a little warning, a heads up at this point. As I talk about these things, there is probably going to be things come into your head, people and situations who have maybe been these things to you, done these things to you that might have been hard or painful. And you might also see some of yourself here too. If we're going to be brutally honest about ourselves, you know, there's some characteristics in us that God is putting his finger on and asking us to change and move forward and grow in. So these are the things. Proverbs 6. Who are the people, the women and men and people who we don't want to kind of let into the core. So there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Can I just say, these are not the kind of people we want at the core in our intimate circle of friends. And again, hear me, I'm not saying everyone matters to God, everyone's important. It doesn't mean those people are insignificant, but we shouldn't give them a position of influence in our lives. So, haughty eyes. People who look down on us, people who have this attitude of superiority, people you know, who say, I have value, you don't. I'm this and you're that. I'm a winner, you're a loser. You know, it could be different ways that they compare themselves. I'm a professional, you're not. I'm beautiful, you're plain. I'm married, you're single. I'm conservative, you're liberal. I'm a career woman, you're a stay-at-home mom. I'm spiritually mature, you're not. And any of those could be flipped. Haughty eyes can go either way. I'm not saying one of those is haughty and one of those isn't. You know, arrogance like that is denounced in Scripture. And this um, is quite serious. In Proverbs 16, 18, it says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. I, you know, we don't want to walk with those haughty people looking down at others because you can become influenced by that. Next thing, lying tongue. You cannot walk with someone who constantly lies or doesn't tell the truth without getting your heart broken. Sooner or later, they're going to deceive us. They're going to betray us. And that is very painful. You know, if we walk with people who treat the truth lightly, we run the risk of doing that too. Um, I read about a family whose lives were torn apart by their lies 
the, the lives of their teenage son. He was just hanging out with his friends. You know, and first they just were telling little lies about where they were, who they, where they were going, who they were going with. And he felt a bit uncomfortable because, you know, he, he, he loved his parents. He'd never lied to his parents before. But as time went on, he became more and more influenced by his friends. You know, and he thought, that's normal. That's just what teenagers do. This is who we are. And once he became careless about the truth, it's easier to deceive more. And eventually he broke his parents' trust, his girlfriend, his teachers, and it led down a downward spiral. Drugs, theft, trouble of the police. And then he had to rebuild trust to come back. So lies can start off so innocently and just get more and more. Nextly, hands that shed innocent blood. You're probably sitting there thinking, well, I'm pretty good with this one, you know. It's not like I've got an axe murderer for a best mate. But I'm not just talking about physical shedding blood. You know, innocent people can be destroyed in a variety of ways. And it happens every time someone weak or powerless is overcome by someone who's strong. And God hates that. The writer of this proverb tells us to steer clear of people who abuse their power, throw their weight around. You know, steer clear of people who devalue others. Steer clear of people whose hearts are not moved by others' suffering, by others' hardship, by others' needs. Steer clear of people who take advantage of others' vulnerability because their way of acting can rub off on you. The next one is steer clear of hearts that devise wicked schemes. Keep an eye out for anyone who can design, implement, then justify dishonest, illegal, or evil plans. And you know, it starts off the same way, just, oh, just crossing a boundary here and there, you know, it's okay if I don't get caught. Um, and one thing that came to my mind, sorry if this is a tangent, but I get embarrassed um, when I'm talking to people who are in business, business people, and they tell me, Christians are the worst, you know. Christians, you know, or people who say they're Christians, they're slowest to pay, they're least generous, they're always, you know, pulling a fast one. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying all Christian business people are like that, but I'm just saying, as you know, if that's what, you know, who you are and what you're a part of, have the best integrity. Never let it be said that you're on the boundary, that you're on the edge, that you're, you know, kicking up some scheme that's going to, like, twist things. The next thing is a person... Um, who is a false witness, who utters lies. That might sound the same as the lying tongue, but this is a slightly different thing. This is a slandering tongue. This is you can meet people who are quick to pass on information about someone else. You know, they can't keep things confidential. And you need to be very careful of those kind of people. And in, you know, my role as a pastor, I find it very hard to speak freely if I can tell that the person is not going to keep that private, if they're going to pass it on to someone else, and I keep quiet around people who I know are loose-tongued, you don't want the things you say to be spread around. You need to have friends to talk to, but you need the assurance that they're not going to go and repeat it to someone else. And I want to caution all of us in this. You know, all of us have propensity to this. We all have our own wounds. We all have our own sinful tendencies. We all have our own insecurities, our fears, our jealousies that can cause us to use careless or dishonest words about others. You know, how many of us have been with someone and they're slagging someone else off or putting them down, but we know it's to try and make them feel better. And lastly, a person 
who stirs up conflict in the community. How many of us have someone we know who just is a stirrer? <laughs> you know, how have you, how is, what's it like when you have a relationship with someone who nurses grudges, who's always demanding huge apologies, or has a very unforgiving spirit? Proverbs uses a very strong word for people like that. In Proverbs 16, 28 says, A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. You know, the Bible does not consider the spreading of strife something that we should tolerate. It's a perversion of what it means to have integrity, to be honorable, and to exhibit godliness. That is serious. You know, why is that? Because if we have been miraculously reconciled to God through Jesus on the cross, we have received his Holy Spirit, and we receive the spirit of reconciliation. So that means when you are in a relationship with someone and a problem arises, the Spirit of God is prompting you. Let's not get this out of proportion. Let's not draw blood here. Let's not do damage. Let's try and sort this out. Let's resolve this. So if we claim to be followers of Jesus, but we enjoy spreading strife, we are willfully choosing not to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, the reconciliation that is encouraging us to do what is right. So if someone delights in disputes and alienating people and stirring up conflict, do you really want them close to you in your inner circle? If you want to walk in a godly path, you need people who are committed to the opposite of that, resolving conflict. Matthew 5 verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. They're the people that I want on my team. So I'm sorry this is all a bit heavy. We're going to turn it, flick, flick it around now. But let's go back to our key verse. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. We don't want to invite those people into our close circle of friends with haughty eyes, lying tongue, hands that oppress, hearts that devise evil, people who spread lies or cause strife. According to Proverbs, that's not going to work for us. We need the wise people, the godly people. So I want to look now, what are the opposites of the things I've just said? So instead of someone who's proud and arrogant with hearty eyes, what we're looking for is someone who's humble, teachable, delighting in service, encouraging others, whose intimacy with Christ is obvious and who draws us and others to them. Instead of a person with lying lips, we should look for someone with a record of speaking the truth. I'm encouraging you today, choose friends who call you to more, who call you to be more honest. They challenge you to think before you speak. They challenge you about what Paul spoke about last week, about speaking the truth. When I am looking for a friend, that is number one on my list. I cannot stand people who tell lies. I want people to be honest, and I want them to be honest with me. I want them to challenge me. You know, that is not always easy. That's not always comfortable. But as Paul said last week, we need to be able to speak the truth and love to each other, to challenge each other. And, you know, that can be in subtle ways. I'm not talking about out-and-out lies, but I could be in a conversation with a friend, and I can be saying, and you know what they said? And, and they did this, and they could just turn around to me and say, Chantel, you're making a massive assumption there. Do you really know that that's what that person meant? You know, they're challenging me. They're calling me to truth. They're being loving in it. The next one 
Instead of people who are cruel and insensitive, look for people who use power and strength um, to raise up other people, people who are tender and hearted and merciful. You know, we read throughout Scripture. We talk about it in this church all the time. We are called to fight for the cause of freedom. We're called to lift up the broken, care for the sick, care for the abandoned, bring comfort to those who mourn, minister to the imprisoned, give food and shelter to those who are needy. And I love it that we're pressing into those things together as a church. You know, imagine if we keep gathering as groups of friends, spurring each other on to acts of love and mercy, what that's going to do. Instead of people who pursue and perpetuate plans that are crossing boundaries, seek friends of integrity who are above reproach, friends who will pull you to higher levels of character. You know, if you've got someone around you and they're really pure-hearted, they're really holy, that actually, they make you feel a bit uncomfortable, hang out with that person. You know, if, they're, if it's making you uncomfortable, maybe you need to be made uncomfortable. God is calling us to integrity. Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a pure heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. We sing a worship song with those words. Do you mean it? Do I mean it? When we read that verse in the Bible, are we really seeking it? Well, then let's do it together with like-minded people. Some of you have met my friend Emily um, from England, who's spoken here a few times. She is a woman of integrity. She is steadfast. Every time I have a conversation with her, I am inspired. She inspires me to pure heartedness, to holiness, and I want to hang out with people like that. Instead of a loose-tongued person who's going to break our confidence and probably break our heart, look for people who are trustworthy. Look for that friend who you can bear your heart and soul with, and they are not going to tell someone else. You know, look for people who are going to provide a safe place where you can be honest, where you can say when you have messed up, when you can say, I am feeling terrible, my relationship is at rock bottom. Find people who you can do that with, who you can explore the very depths. We talked about this in Emotionally Healthy Church. Safe spaces to share our hearts with one another. And instead of someone who spreads strife, seek friends who are good at reconciling. They're good at forgiving. They're committed to working through conflicts quickly. I don't want someone who's going to be annoyed with me and is going to go around and say it to five other people. I want them to come and talk to me and let's sort this out together. You know, we are human beings. We are going to disagree. We're not, gonna, we're not robots. But we need to listen to the inner challenge of the Holy Spirit because if you have those conflicts, you can grow through them. You can have a better friendship at the end of it. It again comes back to what Paul shared last week. Speak the truth in love with kindness. Challenge each other. That's the kind of friends I want. I have friends in this church, and we have had hard times together. We have had to thrash things out. We have had to cry. We've got angry with each other. We have misunderstood each other. But we have been committed to sit together and to sort that out and to come out the other side. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens one another. That's what we want. So does that sound good to you? Surrounded by a band of people with humble souls, honest words, serving hands, pure hearts, listening ears, and reconciling spirits. Are you ready to pursue relationships like that? 
You know, I have felt so challenged preparing this. Like, look at that list and think about you. Are you those things? Am I those things? What do we need to change in our lives? And some of you are saying, oh man, this sounds like hard work. Or it's too late for me. Like, Shan's got those friends 20 years ago when she was at uni. I've I've run out of time. There's always an opportunity to seek that out. Um, I'm going to be honest today with you guys. We're always honest here. In some things, I'm quite stuck in my ways. When I was little, um, my mum and dad took me to this dentist on the shore road called Arthur. And he was really lovely. And we kept going there all the years. And then they moved to White Abbey. And um, Arthur retired. And they got this other dentist called Gronya. And she is very lovely. And she's still my dentist. When I went to England, and then I ended up staying there because I married Paul, I'm like, dentist in England? I am not going to a dentist in England. Dentists in England, I don't know what they're like. I need to stick with this one. So I only went to the dentist when I was at home visiting my mum and dad. Hairdressers, same story. Find a good hairdresser, Nicola, in Carrick. Like the way she cuts my hair. So Nick, go there for years. Nicola moves to another hairdresser's in Carrick. I follow her. I'm not going to another hairdresser's. Nicola moves to a hairdresser's in White Abbey. Follow her. I'm not going to another hairdresser. I am committed to my dentist and I'm committed to my hairdresser. And my optician, oh yes, Ronnie Glass, can't go to another one. I'm a bit scared he's going to retire soon, but anyway. So, I've been there since I was two years old. So, some of us will go to any means to find the right optician, the right dentist, the right hairdresser, the right mechanic, the right tutor for your kids. But when it comes to friends, are you searching for friends? Are you diligent? Are you pursuing good friendships? Or are you passive? Are you unmotivated? Are you unintentional? That does not make sense. Our close friends are significant. They're one of the keys to our personal growth. They provide us with insight and wisdom. They multiply our joy. They ease our pain. They enrich our lives far more than any possession, any position, or any goal we can achieve. Life loses its meaning when it's not shared with close friends. This is... um, Andy and Andrea's dining room. I did ask permission. It's very tidy, isn't it? (laughs) This is when they first got it done. It's not that tidy now. Yeah, it's not live. Um, What good is a birthday or anniversary or a graduation or a promotion if you don't have close friends to celebrate it with? What good is a lovely, fancy, clean dining room like that? A back garden, a patio, a student house? a spare room if you don't have friends to fill it with. We're born to experience community with close friends. Round that table, we've shared food together, we've laughed, we've cried, we've probably argued a little bit. We've had some good times. That is what friendship is about. Friends help us when tragedy strikes. They're the ones we cling to when the phone rings and the news we hear makes our blood run cold. They're the ones who stand with us in adversity and pain and grief and sadness. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Friends are our gift. And Bill Hybel shares in his book about the need to gather friends around him. He was intentional about it. 
Um, he chose three friends from his church, all older than him. They had things in common, but they decided what is it like to live in community. They met regularly. They went on trips together. They opened up their hearts to one another. Three middle-aged men and a pastor in his 20s. They revealed secrets to each other. They confronted each other. They were He called them a band of brothers. Guys, who's your band of brothers? In the middle of the adventure, one of them learned he had a brain tumor. Bill talks about the band of brothers caring for him while he was dying, first at home, then in hospital, reading the Bible to him, taking him to the bathroom, telling him stories, reliving all their memories, praying with him, the pain of their grief when he passed away, living, loving, growing, changing, laughing, crying through adversity. Guys, this is our real life. This is not a trailer. This is it. This is our one chance at this adventure called life. The Bible says the adventure was designed to be in community. One of our key values at Carrick Vineyard, community. We will talk about this again and again and again. It's critical. Who are we going to choose to have the adventure with? If we're passive about it today, I'm encouraging you to be intentional. You know, close friends are not going to just rock up and ring your doorbell and go, here I am, let's do life together, come on, let's go. We need to be brave. We need to take risks. We need to make this work for ourselves. You cannot just sit and wait for this to happen to you. We need to surround ourselves with godly people. We need to put together that band of brothers or sisters or mixture. You know, link arms and walk with people. Make the first move. If you're not sure, let's think about how to even start. Hang out with the kind of people who are on that list, who you want to be your close friends. Go to the places they are. Join a life group. Join an activity. Go to where those people are and start hanging out. Be willing to make the first move. Introduce yourself. Begin a conversation. Invite someone round to your dining table, whether it's clean or messy or whatever. You know, 25 years ago, Carrie and I were sitting beside each other in an English lecture theatre at Queen's. I only lasted two weeks in English, but that's another story. She turned around to me and said, hello, you know, started talking to me. I met Marianne and Ali, the other two girls. We had to take risks. We had to get to know each other. We had, one of us had to make the first move. And I saw their character. I saw they were fun to hang about with. I saw they loved Jesus. And I'm like, I want to hang out with these girls. And I'm going to do something about that. Forgive the self-indulgence. This is a photo of us nearly 25 years later at Christmas time. Um, I just love them. And they're amazing. And I wouldn't be where I am without them. Guys, the adventures await. If we're talking about community next year or in five years or friendship, do you want to be in the same place? The only way to change that is to take the first steps. Maybe you guys have friends like this already. Well, that is fantastic. I love it. Nurture those friendships. Feed into them. Keep going. But maybe there's other people along the way who are going to become your lifelong friends. You need people who are committed to you and will love you. You know, it's not just one circle of friends. You know, I've got other friends too in England in this church. But I'm going to tell you today, you need to fight for those friendships because there's an enemy who doesn't want us to connect like this. He doesn't want us to have those friendships. He wants to tear down godly friendships and you need to fight for it. I just want to finish off. You'll be pleased to hear with a couple of things. 
as I said before, this has been really challenging for me. You know, where am I going? What am I, who do I want to be? And who am I doing that with? I've asked myself that. You guys need to ask yourselves that. You know, perhaps as we went through some of those verses from Proverbs, the characteristics of people who shouldn't be on your list of friends, perhaps you did think of sometimes that you had acted like that towards other people. Maybe we need to repent. Maybe we need to change and turn around and not um, do those things. Maybe there's some people you need to say sorry to because you know you were like that. Maybe someone came to mind who did that to you. Maybe they looked down on you, they lied to you, they stirred up conflict, they spoke about you in a horrible way. Maybe there's someone that you need to forgive. Even if they don't even know, maybe they're not going to change, but you need to forgive them and you need to let that go. And just really want to clarify something that came to me. I am not saying, by the way, that all your friends have to be Christians and that we can't be friends with anyone else. That is 100% not what I am saying. We need to just be have friends, you know, of all kinds, all backgrounds, you know. But the closest people to you, are they traveling in the direction that you want to travel? Are they spurring you on? Is it iron sharpening iron? Jesus and his friends, the close three and then the 12. I started to think about that, you know. Jesus had his friend who was Judas, he was obviously harboring greed and whatever those feelings were that caused him to betray Jesus. So I'm not saying that every single one of your friends is not going to let you down or hurt you. Jesus' friends hurt him. But Jesus needed his friends. We need our friends. So I want to ask you today, what kind of friend are you? And what kind of friend are you walking with? What kind of friends are you walking with? And I finish with this. Um, it's in Exodus 19. Um, I love this story. Um, the Israelites are in battle. And it says, As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. And that is how the battle was won. We need friends who are going to hold each other's hands up when the battle gets fierce. That's it. Oh, I've got one more, sorry. <laughs> so it's just basically this. A friend loves at all times. This series is all about wisdom. So walk with the wise and become wise. <laughs>